0: If you say to a physician or a nurse or PA or really any other health professional, we think we can develop a steroid without many of the side effects, they say things like that will be a game changer. That would be the holy grail of my practice.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Unstoppable Business Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking to the CEO of Sparrow Pharmaceuticals. Fresh off of $50 million Series A financing, David Katz sits down to chat with us about why age isn't a barrier to starting a business, how to motivate everyone else on a team, and why rest is just as important as working hard. All right, David, let's talk about Sparrow. Put me in the room, like what was happening when the idea
0: for Sparrow Pharmaceuticals came up? The idea for Sparrow Pharmaceuticals really grew out of a number of lunch discussions that we had at Abbott among a group of early clinical drug developers. So what we talked about was, wouldn't it be really good for patients if people like us who know how to develop drugs through particularly the early clinical stages would form a company and acquire rights to one or more deprioritized assets. One morning, I woke up and before I even got out of bed, realized, wait a minute, I just turned 50. That's the official age that makes you eligible for retirement at Abbott if you also have enough years of service rather than just quitting. And I can go out and do this. And so I just did one thing I will tell you is if you know of any publications that do lists of 50 over 50, for those of us who have started uh, entrepreneurial uh-huh. careers later in life, please uh-huh. tell me, <laughs> um, because, um, you know, I think there's a niche here, um, but yeah. And so uh, four months after that, I retired uh, from at that point, it was ABV already and started Sparrow. Over the next several years, uh, really spent time partly learning how difficult it is to secure a really good asset from a large pharmaceutical company on terms that you can then subsequently attract investment capital. There were some learning experiences. There were a couple of dead alleys that we went down. But ultimately, we licensed the asset that we have now from Stellas Pharma and then went on to attract our Series A investment from Orbi- led by OrbaMed advisors and with participation from U.S. Venture Partners and RiverVest Venture Partners. So... Now we're really off and running, doing phase two, getting ready to do our phase two trials and hopefully bring toward market, toward fruition, these drugs that, that we're developing. Our focus is really to spare patients the ravages of steroids. And we do that in two ways. Um, so the one product is a combination of a steroid with the new drug. The other product is the new drug for, by itself. The goal is to lower levels of cortisol, which is our body's natural steroid. It's kind of interesting that when you look at what's important to physicians or to payers or to patients, it's very different. So physicians look at steroid medicines or patients with Cushing syndrome and they say, oh, we're we're worried about blood pressure, we're worried about lipids, we're worried about infections. If you ask patients, they tend to focus a lot on their body, their body image, and on the mental effects. So there is a survey a couple of years ago at the American presented at the American College of Rheumatology that was just quotes from patients who are long-term steroid users, and they say things like, oh, my face is fat, I can't sleep. And my favorite one, not I'm a moody, but my partner says
1: I'm moody. Have you found it to be difficult to explain what you guys do to an average person? Well, I don't know. You're an average person. Did you, <laughs> did you understand what I just said? I did understand it. You know, okay, if, if a random person were to... <laughs> yeah, definitely. But if a random person were to talk to you and you only had like a little bit of time, maybe like going down an escalator, would you be able to explain that to them? I think the phrase that
0: catches a lot of people is a drug like prednisone, but without the side effect. If they've never heard of prednisone, then it can be a little more difficult. It takes more than a short elevator ride to sort of educate them then on, okay, here are these drugs that cause 10% of all drug side effects, and we aim to fix that. And then on the other side, you know, there are also ways to talk about what we're doing to make it seem make it sound exciting to people, even if they don't know what the specific problems we're addressing are. So the separation of the good effects of the steroid medicines from their bad effects is a 70-year-old conundrum. And and I've actually personally had sort of the same experience of what A miracle drug steroids can be. And the whole history of the steroids over the past 73 years has been, let's give patients just enough to help control their symptoms, but minimize that. So to avoid the side effects. And that's what we hope to get patients and physicians out of is to just be able to use the steroids to their, to their maximum effect. I mean, our target basically is a new drug that has a similar efficacy risk profile as the best of those biologic molecules, but that would be at a fraction of the price. And what's the response been like since you guys launched? We just launched really recently kind of officially, but whenever we talk to people about this, particularly if we talk to any physician, if you say to a physician or a nurse or PA or, you know, really any other health professional, we think we can develop a steroid without many of the side effects. There, you know, they say things like that will be a game changer. That would be the holy grail of my practice. Millions and millions of patients could benefit from From steroids, but physicians have to limit their use because of the side effects. And so, if you solve that problem, it really changes medicine in a in a pretty big way. Wow, that's incredible! Very
1: revolutionary. What would you say is uh, the pressing goal for you guys right
0: now? The pressing goal right now is to move the development of these molecules forward. We're starting clinical trials. Actually, the first one that we're doing independently under as Sparrow, we'll start dosing next month. And then we'll have three more trials late this year and the middle of 2022. So one in patients with Cushing syndrome, one in patients with autonomous cortisol secretion, and then one in patients with polymyalgia rheumaticus. You know, if you or I broke a hip, it would be a bummer mm-hmm. and it would be, so, and it would be something of a long recovery, but we'd probably recover and get back to full function. But when someone who's in their seventies or eighties break a hip, that is it really a life that can really be a life changing event. You know, they never get back to life as it was before the event.
1: Right. Wow. Can you walk us through a day in a life? Like, uh, normally for you, how does your
0: day start and end? Yeah, uh, with Zoom meetings. I try not to do it right out of bed. I I try to at least clean up first so that I I look presentable. (laughs) And, you know, the Zoom meeting is also something of a consequence of of the pandemic, but Sparrow operates virtually. So we're geographically dispersed. And that means that we will continue to do a lot of things by Zoom and using other sorts of remote tools. Right now, I have a really wide range of responsibilities at Sparrow. And I am actually looking forward to, as we hire more people, that I will have a saner existence. But (laughs) <laughs> Up until a week and a half ago, when we had a VP of regulatory and Q and Quality Assurance start. Besides being chief scientific officer, I was also acting VP of regulatory and quality assurance, acting chief medical officer, and acting head of clinical operations. And so those are an- another couple of positions uh, that we're recruiting. People for to to build out the team. And there are three main areas of drug development. So there there are the clinical trials where you're studying the effects of the drug, of the investigational drug in humans. There are non-clinical studies where you are looking at the characteristics and effects of the drug, either in animals or in a Petri dish test tube and then there's the manufacturing side so my days now are bouncing back and forth between all those different things you know just to start it out with a, a working group meeting on the man on the chemistry and manufacturing um then had a uh a phone call or a zoom call to talk about the assays that we're using uh, to measure the disposition of our drug in both animals and humans. Mm. Uh, and then a meeting with the, you know, sort of the overall team meeting. We had another meeting uh, where we were talking about um, this, the clinical trial uh, that we will start next month and what are the operational items that have to get done. Immediately, what can wait until tomorrow? What can wait until next week? And then also had a meeting about patient reported outcomes. So how do we learn from the patients? What sort of instruments do we use? Sort of questions do we ask patients to get a valid assessment of their experience of the disease and what's important to them? So you can see there's kind of a, a range of topics. And then in, in, between all of that, you know, was also talking about, um, you know, some, some rat studies that are, are going on by email. So it's really bo- it. It's really bouncing across a lot of things. And I like that because you're always learning, um, yeah. But it, yeah, it, it is a, it is a pretty hectic existence. And then we went, my <laughs> wife and I went off and had wine with a couple of friends. So that was good. That's, that's also a good part of a typical day in the life that's of amazing. David. <laughs> Great.
1: So um, I guess uh, the last thing I'd ask is, is there a piece of philosophy that you live by, you know, like for living for success, you know, that you'd want to impart on
0: our listeners? I'd say there are, there are a few things. So one is learn constantly. Another is always try to be more dedicated than anyone else on the team. mean, particularly as a leader, I think you need to show that you're walking the walk um, and to motivate other people uh, to to contribute to their fullest. I also think that Work-life integration is really important. So get that glass of wine, and yeah, I really like working in the virtual environment because it enables you to get done, get your work done when integrated with your life. And so, you know, we would um, like last night, you know, had the, had the wine, uh, enjoyed some time with friends, had dinner with my wife and then came back and, and got some more work done. And so I, th- I think it's important, you know, really for leaders to be sensitive to letting people live their lives. And, and I actually think the pandemic is gonna help us in that regard because we've learned that you don't have to be in an office at set hours to be highly productive at least for, you know, for those of us who are are lucky enough to, you know, really have what used to be office-based jobs, uh, but, uh, you know, that are not, you know, jobs that are not tied to a very specific location, whether that's a a factory or a restaurant or a a retail store or, or whatever. But, um, so I think that's kind of maybe not so organized, but my philosophy of um, leadership and working.
1: Hmm, Definitely. Awesome. David, um, is there a way that listeners can connect with you?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, they can look me up on LinkedIn. It's uh, David Katz 47. Uh, Hmm. And then also through the Sparrow website, uh, which is www.sparrowpharma. So, S P A R R O W P H A R M A one word dot com uh, and yeah so that's how they can that's how they can connect All right, sounds good thank you David.